0: All right, back to a Jacob Novikov adventure. I'm awake. (laughs) All right, to remember your name, sir, your name is Jacob Novikov. You're a carpenter. You're a male. Your strength is 20. Your dexterity is 25. Your intelligence is 10. Your technical is 25. Your will is 10. Your charisma is 20. Your humanity is just a sliver under normal. Uh, Makes sense. Your inventory, you currently have nothing in your inventory. Uh, your special items is still a samurai sword. <laughs> uh, your health, you are uninjured. Your your relationship statuses are Emma at 71%, Heather at 58%, Jason at 55%, Candace at 64%, Mindy at 64%, Javier at 55%, Dave at 55%, Tom at 55%, and Uncle Lou at 55%. You know. Uncle Lou is from last time. I don't was I wasn't awake. Okay. okay. Well, Wait. Hold on. Wait, I got no straps. You have no straps. You're at a, you're at your base technically now. So, all right. Your group stats are: your group offense is a forty-seven. Your okay. your uh, cathedral defense is forty-seven. <laughs> I almost said it again. Yeah. Your water supply will last you thirty days. Your food supply will last you seventeen days, and you have en- energy use for about ten days.
1: Good. Okay.
0: All right. And this is where we begin. Oh. Breakfast, Jacob calls Emma from below. By the time you look down, she's gone. Everyone is still shaking up about last night, so you're not surprised by her tone.
1: Yeah, what happened last night?
0: Uh... Oh, fuck? No, the death of, uh, Dave. Oh, fuck him. You flash a mirror, bending the rays at Javier so he knows you are leaving the the watch post. Descending the ladder, you you leave the gun by the side wall and head west through the archway into the gathering room, where the kitchen and dinner area are. Heather, Emma, Tom, Mindy, Carl, and Candace sit at the main table eating their morning atolment of oatmeal. Uncle Lou stands next next to the stove, stirring a large metal pot. What you wouldn't give for something other than oatmeal. Emma walks over to you with a bowl, steam radiating from it. Make sure you mm. eat it all today, she says, leans in closer to Whisper. I added an extra pat of butter. Mm. The crew looks visibly tired, but after the double assault... Who is of this? Zombie- Who is this? Mindy? Mindy? Uh, this was Emma, your sister. Fuck. Okay. The crew looks visibly tired, but after the double assault of zombies and raiders, that is not, that is not surprising. You've had tax from the living dead almost nightly over the past two weeks, as those in the cities have started moving out to the surrounding areas as food supplies, namely... Uninfected humans are scarce. Raiding parties have also initiated weekly excursions as food and supplies in the area have dwindled. Carl reaches out for a salt shaker and winces. His taped right arm showing a damp blood spot from where he was shot with a crossbow during the attacks. He places a hand on Candace's back and she shifts in her chair, pulling away from his touch. He recoils and she turns and flashes a smile, though it is obvious something troubles her. Jason and Javier join the table. Oh at home like fucking God. Okay, there's something I think this. Jason are and Javier join the table. Besides bowls of food, they receive a quick nod and brief smiles. Breakfast passes in silence. After the meal is over, Tom stands, clears his throat, and leans on the table, both hands pressed on the surface. What happened last night was exhausting, and I understand everyone's mood today. It was a huge attack, but we pulled through, and it shows we were able to defend ourselves and protect our new home. We could take some time today to recuperate, but we have tasks to complete so we can survive. Mm-hmm. Tom walks over to a whiteboard, nails the wall, which reads water 30 days, food 17 days, energy 10 days, medicine low, fuel low, days until ZE about 60. Tom, fuck points, is ZE? I don't know. Yeah. Tom, Tom points to the board. Here is where we stand. Clearly, we have several priorities based on what Jason's gathering from ServNet. We have 60 days until zombie exodus. At that point, zombies in the major cities are expected to move en masse outside the suburbs. Oh, so it's like a big, huge horde. You have 60 days until a gigantic horde it comes your day. and comes your way. Yeah. <clears throat> the mass of the suburbs surrounding area. It is estimated that the, clo- the closest major city near here was over 100,000 zombies. So 100,000 zombies coming your way. They will disperse through the countryside and there we are secluded it is likely the area could be swarmed by the living dead. We just have no no way of knowing the impacts of zombie exodus, but we'll prepare for the worst. While we're doing fine on most supplies, we need medicine and fuel. As time passes, there's less opportunities to find these essential supplies out in the world. So we need to gather as much as we can now. Medicine is a high priority, Emma says. We can't survive long without certain vital prescriptions. Tom turns and leans against the table. Who is willing to make a run to temperance for meds? Not me. Given the priorities of others in the group, I wonder if Jacob will go, asks Emma, turning to face you. Eyes squinting, lips apart. You reply, "I would rather not go. I'm happy to go,
1: bro. I've already done so much, bro, (laughs) but I don't want to be a bitch. But I feel like I like.
0: I'd rather not. I would rather not go, Jacob." I really need you to do this, Emma says. Her voice dropping at the end. It's her it's pleading it, voice. Man. I'm sorry. Fine, I I'm in. You say, so you, technically you're still going. <laughs> but what was the point? Emma convinced you to go. Medicine is vital. Emma, please track everyone's needs and get the list to Jacob. Jacob, Mindy, since you're done with your project, I want you to go with him. <laughs> yes, hitting Temperance says Mindy, nodding in direction with a smile so large it's almost worrisome. The meeting continues and work assignments are distributed until each survivor has several chores. Mindy tells you she will be ready in an hour and you agree to time. Emma asks you to follow her to the medical supply room. You and Emma head into a small medicine area, a ground floor office converted to a makeshift trauma clinic with two cots, an exam table, a portable ultrasound machine, gauze, and other bandaging supplies. In a locked cabinet with medicine, once inside, she produces a list for you. Javier, Lamisil, Heather, Adderall, Uncle Lou. Hi, hydrodurial. Uh, uh, Loppressor and libe, libator. Libe, lipidor. Uh, and Prilosic Emma Risperdal. Jesus, I don't know any of these. are.
1: It's, it, it's all Viagra.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but I really need my meds. I'm almost out, says Emma, wringing her hands together. You were not aware of any pre- specific prescriptions Emma requires, but before you can ask about them, she changes the subject. So what's the plan? She asks. I don't know. Mindy said we'll go to temperance. Well, that's fine. But the place is desolate. It's desolate except for those things. There's at least one pharmacy and a vet's office. Try each of them. She turns away and checks cabin. With very few supplies on the shelves. She doesn't seem the same woman you knew even a month ago. Her weight has dropped and muscles now poke out even beneath those fitting jeans, those loose fitting jeans and a sweatshirt. Her hair is always tied back, not even with the playful bangs like she used to wear. Pale skin and dark eyes replaced tan skin and healthy complexion. Eyes once showing only passion for living now lost in some inner turmoil. She seemed unwilling to share.
1: Yo, why are we checking her out that man?
0: That's her
1: sister, fam.
0: <laughs> Emma hands so weird, you a yeah. second second list containing various generic generic and brand names antibiotics, painkillers and general use drugs. She gives you bro. A kiss.
1: What's with all the? Fu- I'm sorry, bro, but what's with all the fucking PEs, bro?
0: She gives you a kiss Holy on the cheek shit. and tells you to be safe. You head toward oh, the supply yeah. room. Fucking dumb bitch. Oh my god! What? There's a lot of options coming up. Oh no! In the supply area, Mindy looks through the numerous shelves of weapons and supplies. Jeez. Remember to pack light and take some melee weapons. We need to bust skulls, not shoot them, or the noise will bring those things right to us. Right. You grab a pack, a backpack loaded with a day's worth of food and water, and start packing. You can carry ten pounds and carry a max of around thirty-five. Your current inventory is a backpack, food, and water. Which items do you take? You can carry ten pounds, and what? You can carry. You can carry. You are carrying ten pounds. You can carry a max around thirty-five.
1: Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. You can
0: add twenty-five more pounds. Okay. What would you want to carry? Holy shit! I oh, don't know. Just name it, and I t- I'll tell you if it's on the list. Okay, uh, baseball bat. Uh, uh baseball bat, seven pounds.
1: Okay. Are we, do we have? Oh, oh no! I said melee weapon. Yeah, I'm just sure.
0: gonna. I mean, here's the guns: AK, twelve gauge, MP5, uh, revolver, and a rifle.
1: Okay. How much? How How much does the MP5 weigh?
0: MP5 is five pounds.
1: Okay. Grab an MP5. All right. Grab me. Uh, oh fuck! How, how, how many can we? How
0: much weight can we spare? Twenty five. You're at fifteen. You can carry a max around thirty five.
1: Okay, so we got 20. All right. Uh, let, let me grab that Spike baseball bat. Are these all weapons options?
0: Uh, there's binoculars. There's binoculars. Uh, there's multi-tool. There's a first aid kit. There's a flashlight. There's night vision goggles. And there's 50 feet of rope as well. Okay. How,
1: how much does the first aid kit weigh? Five pounds. Okay, grab me that first aid kit. How much does the multi-tool weigh? One pound. Grab me that multi-tool. I learned my fucking lesson from last time. Okay, what are we at?
0: You're at 21 pounds. You have 14 pounds left. Let's see
1: Okay. Grab me them goggles. Or, sorry, uh, binoculars. The binoculars is two pounds. Oh, it's baby food. You're creating okay, 23 we at? pounds. Okay. So we got okay. So we got okay, 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 Uh oh. So we got like what? Twelve left, right? Yes. What else is on that list? Uh, a, no guns. I don't need a gun. I don't need a strap.
0: Uh, fifty feet of rope, night vision goggles, flashlight, combat knife, spike, baseball bat, sword, and crowbar.
1: <laughs> sword. Uh, grab me. Uh oh. Well, uh, what did you say? That, r- repeat yourself. It was the start.
0: Uh, combat knife? No. Or uh, fifty feet of rope? No. Night vision goggles? No. Flashlight? Yeah.
1: Flashlight. Flashlight.
0: You're at twenty five pounds. You, have ten pounds
1: left. What fuck? We can damn near bring over there Okay, Britt. Okay. Fifty feet of rope is pretty specific. So, toss me that. How much is the? How much is the rope? The rope is three pounds. Oh, baby food.
0: Okay. You have seven
1: pounds left. Can I – do I have to do the 35? You have to do the 35. Okay, but Okay. You, I'm um, just saying
0: you do not have a melee weapon. Yet. I thought I grabbed the bat. Oh, you, you didn't say the bat. We were, we were going yeah, over everything else. Yeah, I did, But okay. I said
1: grab the, I said hey. grab the spiky. Okay,
0: okay, how much you go, the bat? How much is the bat? Seven pounds. That'll round you off to your 35. Fuck.
1: Okay. Or you take a combat I knife, got, which is two. Fuck that combat life ain't doing shit. Okay, so I got an MP5, binoculars, rope, uh a multi-tool, a flashlight. That's it. Uh
0: your current inventory is a submachine gun, backpack, first aid kit, flashlight, binoculars, food, water, multi-tool, fifty feet of rope, and a grappling hook.
1: The <laughs> fuck! I gotta grab it up for. Okay, all right, yeah. Talk to that bat, yeah. All right, bat. No, on the first day kit, you talked to me the first day kit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, bye yeah, grab old fucking swinger dinger.
0: You consider the weight of all you gathered and cannot carry anymore. However, you fit a pen and a notepad in your backpack to keep notes on the trip and anything you may find.
1: Write some bars on the way.
0: After you, after you were both packed, Mindy leads you through the cathedral, then outside to the parking lot. Let's go, Novikov, Mindy calls out. She grabs your bag off your shoulder and throws it in with hers in the back of the truck. She walks briskly around the truck and jumps in the passenger seat. Of course she does. God forbid
1: this lazy, scoozy drives.
0: The road (laughs) to Temperance is an easy, short north, as you have discovered roads seldom traveled by zombies and bandits. It takes an hour of steady driving, plus an additional 40 minutes of winding back roads to arrive in the outskirts of a small town. Worried with the noise of the vehicle attraction, attracting attention, you park in the desolate area of the edge of the woods in a low ditch a few, few yards off the side of the highway. Mindy covers the vehicle with fallen tree branches while you remove your gear, putting on your back, packs you and Mindy head by foot into town. Mindy cradle, cradles her sighted MP5 <laughs> in, in both arms with the slinging wrap, with sling wrapped around her elbow like a Navy SEAL ready for a gunfight. As you approach the outskirts of town through a light forested area, she moves around trees, aiming the weapon through a 180 degree angle in wide arcs. Mindy, I never, I did ask, where you got your military training? I haven't had any, but grew up a Marine brat. Well, you move around, move around and use a gun like you have. Lots of video oh, games. Oh, that's money. Oh, and paintball. Oh, that's money. You leave the forest and enter a supermarket parking lot, the deep roads of abandoned cars and a metal graveyard show the desolation of dis- deterioration of the once robust community. Mindy maintains her high degrees of readiness while you follow closely behind. The last trip to Temperance Shop Temperance Saver store was a complete bust and it had been entirely ransacked. Hey Novikov, if we get separated or things go bad, we can meet up at the bar on Elm and Harker Street. Stuji Joe's sounds good. I wish I could have seen it before the Stoogy outbreak. Stuji Joe's. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. At the edge of the building, Mindy throws a fist up. The stop sign. She flashes two fingers, and crouches, walking out. Yeah. Walking, walking out low. You follow and spot wide avenue storefronts and residential houses lining the road, with only a few trees dotting the sidewalk and abandoned cars parking, park, packing the asphalt. Directly to your right, graffiti decorates the brick wall with end of the world messages. In the center of the brick? street is an overturned bakery truck, 60 feet away, stretched out to block back the path of cars, and two zombies. Both dressed as cheerleaders wander around the truck. What? The back of which is open and filled with bags and containers. The zombie girls are pristine, their clothes white and smooth, which matches the exterior of the truck. Uh, steam flows from the vehicle's open cabin escaping the whisk through the air, and loaves of bread are visible on a shelf in the back of the truck, amazingly not decayed or spoiled. Mindy moves, behind, <laughs> Mindy moves behind a parked police cruiser on your right, 15 feet away, and waves you over. Far to the left of the bakery truck is a parked brown Dodge van with the back door cracked open. You attack the two zombies, cheerleaders, move quietly toward Mindy, head to the van on your left, stay still and observe.
1: Move to Mindy.
0: Move quietly toward Mindy. You move to Mindy, keeping low to avoid alerting the zombies to your presence. They wander aimlessly, seemingly content to pace near the truck for eternity. Once you are at the car beside Mindy, she moves forward again, now to a parked silver Lexus, maintaining her frog walk across the pavement. The smell of fresh bread overpowers the rank odor of the the decaying city. As you peer over the area, something catches your eye glinting in the air near the cheerleaders. You blink several times and focus again on the area. Sure enough, your eyes detect something sparkling near the bumper of the truck. While you pause, you notice Mindy furiously waving you over. What do you do? Stay still and observe the truck and cheerleaders. Move to Mindy. Move. Move to Mindy. You rush over to Mindy, keeping low to the ground. She points her guns, her gun all around, high towards the top of buildings, low under cars, at doors, windows, and frantically searching for something. Something doesn't feel right. As if on cue, a crash sounds behind you as the boarded door of a floor flower shop flies open and two armed men jump out from the sidewalk. Gunfire erupts and you and Mindy have no choice but to take cover. She jumps behind a series of trash bags next to a canning store and you find a spot at the bumper of a brand new, now bullet riddled, silver Lexus. Sounds Mark. of footsteps, gunfire, and banging car doors create a ca- uh, chaos of sound. A female, low-pitched, shrieking voice yells above the clamor, Don't kill them, you idiots! He wants them alive! The two gunmen clad in tight yeah, eh? in full, black full leather racing suits with bike helmets. Hold submachine guns up and stand behind a two-door Buick 30 feet away. Drop your weapons and come out with your hands up. One shouts. Mindy immediately responds. Drop your weapons and come out with your hands up. Yeah. Yeah. You peek over the car in the direction of the female voice near the Dodge van. You spot a dark-haired man with a shotgun raising his hand, his face is partially covered with a red bandana, which barely hides long scars an running an down he's his face. Up.
1: Fuck, he's an op. Next to him is an
0: older woman carrying an automatic rifle, wearing a yellow jumpsuit with black stripes and aviator's leather helmet. At this point of in pause, you attack the stranger, talk to the stranger, flee the area.
1: You said a red bandana, right? Yeah. Attack.
0: Attack the stranger. Our only option is to fight, Mindy. If you focus on the two bandits from the flower shop, I'll take the two others. Let's go for it, Mindy says, and raises her MP5 above the car to fire blindly at the bandits in their flower shop. What weapon do you use, the spiked baseball bat or the MP5? Wait, what does she have? She also has an MP5. Oh, MP5. MP5. Leading over the car, you aim and fire. The head of the dark-haired man jerks back and a line of red flips out of his skull. He slumps down at the edge of the van. The old woman, mouth open, eyes wide, turns and fires, hitting the hood of the car in a jagged line of bullet holes. You return a shot, and she runs behind a parked motorcycle, shrieking as a s- surprise of the sudden escalation of violence. From your right side, one of the bandits yells and drops down, a thick bullet hole in the side of his cheek. He, ris- mm. he rises on the ground, but quickly goes still. The other bandit fires a few rounds from a short-barreled rifle runs back, and runs back to the flower shop, yanking the door shut. Mindy pops it behind the back of a Volkswagen Beetle a few car lengths away and fires a burst that hits the side of the Dodge van. You're both mm. dead, the old woman screams as she runs to the back of the van, Bullets fly past your head, so you duck down again from the angle you ter- determine if it came from the flower shop. And sure enough, as you search the side of the building, you notice the barrel of a gun sticking through a hole in the boarded-up window. Tires squeal and dodge van speeds away. The smell of burnt rubber oil permeates the air, and a cloud of gray smoke fills the street. Come on, yells Mindy as you see her running down the street away from the flower shop. You follow suit, ducking between cars to stay a fire- firing lane from the flower shop. Money. At the edge of Elm and Harker, Stooge Joe's Bar sits in utter shambles from the reckoning of the apocalypse. Once a, thri- Joe. <laughs> Once a thriving local bar, it is filthy, broken rendition of its former self. A neon sign now faded and dropping declares the place Stooge J. Through shattered windows, you peer into the burned-out eatery. A lone orange cat sits on the edge of the bar and leaves the moment you step near the door.
1: Bro, okay, now do you get what I'm saying with like the unnecessary narration? Yeah. What's the point of an orange... Like, fuck, man.
0: The first pharmacy is not too far away. Half a block, Xavier Apothecary. As you walk down Harker... As you walk down Harker under the midday clouds and shadows of immense elm trees, the cool breeze and rustling of leaves provide a tranquility seldom experienced in recent weeks. You stroll in the center of the lane while Mindy continues her controlled military march. After a minute of walking without incident, she joins your strut down the street. I grew up in a neighborhood a lot like this. Well, for a few years, when my father was stationed in an area in New Jersey, I never pegged, sure, you, for, I I never pegged you for a Jersey girl. You say. Nice. She punches your arm quite hard and smirks. Given your destination is still a good distance away, you decide to end the conversation. Ask Mindy about the other survivors. Ask Mindy about life before the outbreak.
1: I already know what I want to pick, bro. We pull at- it tonight.
0: Ask Mindy about the life before I outbreak.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, no, she's going to talk. Okay, yeah, I, would,
0: I would like to ask Mindy about her past job, her family, her relationships, or something else.
1: Okay, if I'm trying to poon, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not going to ask her about her, her exes and shit. So you're going to ask about
0: family first?
1: What was the other option?
0: Uh, her past jobs, her family, her relationships, or something else. Family. Family, yeah, okay. Her family. My family. Let's see. Shay, story of a military family and the rebellious only child. I grew up mostly on military bases, moved a lot, went to a new school every year, never made a ton of friends. Where I moved, but enjoyed sports and always found outlets for it. My father was an intense man. He trained Marines, and since most Marines are hard asses, he was a super hard ass. fiercely loyal to the Corps, but loved me and my mom as well. So he didn't put the Marines above us, as I saw many of the other fathers do. At his highest rank, dad was a captain. So when I turned 15, he finally got stationed in San Diego at a recruit training facility. That's when I got into boys and girls and drinking and drugs and partying. Needless to say, I butted heads with dad. It wasn't until college and dropping out of college, my rebellious nature faded away. During my freshman year, I raised a bit of hell, experimenting with just about everything possible. And dad was around the corner ready to discipline me, give me pep talks, lecture me on morality, and preparing myself for the future as a responsible citizen. But after Thanks. I returned to school from summer break and picked up in the heathen ways, as dad would call it, he stopped caring, the lecture stopped, the phone call stopped, he didn't invite me home on weekends. It was Ooh. a shock, because as clear as I look back at my stupid youth, I raced hell for his attention. An undisciplined brat, pretty cliche. So he, so she's a daddy's girl. Her voice voice trails, and you realize this is an opportunity to ask about her past jobs, her relationships, or something else?
1: Relationships. Because she started it. She started it. Okay.
0: Her relationships. Relationships. Getting personal, huh, Novikov? I was single before the outbreak, had been in relationships with men, women, married, divorced, Old, young, I was never what did my dad call it? Discerning. Basically, from college to my mid 20s, I never took dating seriously and just tried lots of things. My father always said, I plan for the future like the world is ending. She stops and raises her arms all like goalposts. And here you have it. I plan for the future like the world is
1: ending. (laughs) And here you have it
0: the freaking apocalypse. She drops her hands down and picks picks up the pace, offering you a chance to ask about her past jobs or something else. Something else. Something else. You decide to ask Mindy about, ask Mindy about the other survivors, or end the conversation. Let's get some tea. Ask Mindy about the other survivors. You can ask her about any of the survivors. Which one oh, would you like? Was Candace, Heather, Emma, Tom, Carl, Jason, or Uncle Lou? Uncle Lou, I need. I don't want. I want to know more about this fucking Lou guy. Uncle Lou. What's not to love about Uncle Lou? He's kind of like me. A do it yourselfer. Cooks, Hunts, knows That's how to take apart a rifle. <laughs> take apart a rifle like nobody's business. I know the outbreak of, out, outbreak. Outbreak affected him bad. Here he, we miss, go again. he misses his family, something something terrible. He misses his family, something terrible. I hear him crying at night sometimes. It must be tough to lose a wife and kids. I mean we've all lost, but losing kids is a horrible thing. But he keeps Sorry. a good friend most of the time, which I respect. You can ask Mindy about. Candace, Heather, Emma, Tom, Carl, Jason, or something else.
1: Risky move, but ask about Emma.
0: Emma. Emma's a real sweet girl. I like her. Ever since y'all first moved into the cathedral, now I'm just worried about her. She's changed from the most um, most among our group. She keeps to herself herself more. Is quiet, withdrawn, not worrying about how she looks, and believe me, normally, the sort of thing doesn't bother me. But with her, she has lost something. Vitality. That's the word. For God's sake, that woman used to wear Hello Kitty shirts and put cartoon clips in her hair. Now, well, it's all black and gray. I'm not the one to butt in on family business, but you should look, look out for the zombie crap has affected her more than anybody else.
1: Have I fucking not been looking out for her as I fucking found her?
0: I know, right? Oh, bitch. You can ask about well, Candace, Heather, Tom, uh, Carl or Jason.
1: Yeah, move on, move on, move on. Move on.
0: Are right, you moving on?
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: moving on. Something else. You decided to ask me about it. Well, now you have to end the conversation. Conversation's over. Mindy, Mindy picks up her pace, and you follow by by her side. You walk. To wow, the, that's
1: crazy. She didn't ask me one thing about myself, eh? No. Nah.
0: You walk to the pharmacy Shit. is without is without incident, though you pass several zombies and houses along the way. None spot your motion through the street. The very presence of the infected creatures adds to the constant reminder the danger. In a trip to the city is, in one home you spot a mother and a teenage son in a late stage of the infection. Greenish skin, us. Uh, sliding off like a snake shedding skin, sitting on a leather couch, staring at a broken television. Not until Mindy pulls you from the window do you stop watching the undead pair. Xavier's Apothecary is a solitary store stuck in the middle of a residential block. Amid the rectangular row homes, the Apothecary is disconnected from the other structures and twice the size with a cold and dismal exterior. Gray aluminum shutters enclose the windows and the double wide front door over which is sign hangs in Old English font. A metal gate is secured across the entire front of the property, brown rust over black bars. Second floor windows are bordered from the inside with thick, solid pieces of wood spray-painted in black. Weeds and dead grass grow out of concrete parking lot on the left side of the store, where no vehicles are parked but a single flat tire lies in the ground. We walk around the perimeter with Mindy and find a black lot at the start of the wide alley with a door leading to the pharmacy. Though covered in a metal shutter. There are no windows on the first or second floor. So, what's our move here, Novikov? Why do you call me by my last name? Yeah, Fox Mindy wrinkles her lips and closes her eyes tightly. I don't like what your first. Fuck? I don't like your first name. No offense. That's fair. A moment pauses. Low clouds have rolled in, and a light drizzle seeps in from the sky, coating <laughs> in a fine mist. We can try to break into the into this door, but it looks pretty secure. Or we can climb to the roof and see if there's a way in. Break into the back door or climb to the roof.
1: So you're fucking telling me I brought the multi-tool for no fucking reason. I don't know. Sure. Be careful. Fuck, man. All right. Well, let's just take our sip. All right, uh, right. Let's try the roof because then we, we have a good view, too.
0: Climb to the roof. You look up the side of the building and spot numerous divots, ledges, and broken pieces of brick that may allow you to scale the wall. However, you remember the 50 feet of rope you brought and realize it would was, it was simplify this effort. let go! You remove it from your backpack and tug on the grappling hook to ensure it's secure. You extend the length of rope down to the ground and spin it in a large circle on the side of your body. After several re- uh, rotations, you toss it hard toward the roof. The hook hits near the top of the building but bounces off the wall and falls to the floor of the alley with a cl- loud clank. Sex. You take a deep breath before trying again, stretching your arms out first to limber up for the throw. It takes several attempts, but on the fourth try, the hook makes it over the edge of the roof and latches onto it. This you pull hard on the rope to ensure Yo, who just slammed the fuck out of the plate. Oh Jesus Christ. Jesus
1: Christ.
0: You pull hard on the rope to ensure it will hold your weight. And once and once satisfied, place your foot up on the wall to begin the ascent. From the metal shuttle, the crackle of an intercom grabs your attention. Oof. If someone's there behind the gate is a box hit the blue button and tell me what the hell you're doing. The voice is a male old, this is a male old and scratchy you search behind the gate, and although there's only a, sil- a silver of room between it and the door your hand slides in as you run your hand up and catch something square and on it you feel a button you push it and hear the static of an open microphone. What do you say.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> we are here for medicine do you have any to spare? We thought this place was deserted. We don't want to cause trouble, but are looking for medicine. I'm looking for shelter. May I come in or open the door? Number two. We thought this place was deserted. We don't want to cause trouble, but we are looking for medicine. A moment passes and the voice responds through the intercom. Got anything to trade? How do you reply? Yes. We have things to trade. No. Sorry, we don't have anything to spare. Yes. Yes, we have things to trade. Moments go by with no response. You look at Mindy, and she shrugs. The alley is still, but you wonder how long it will be before the zombies wander by. The drizzle has turned into rain, and your clothes are soaking. Finally, the intercom crackles again. I'll lock the door from the inside. If I see a weapon or try any fu- funny business, we'll- you'll be sorry. You hear the clicking of locks, and the door swings open.
1: Whoa, dragon, sorry. Did you just hear a threat?
0: Yeah, that sounded like a threat to me, sir. All right,
1: say less. I'll remember that. All right, bad, bad. let's go. Let's you go. hear the
0: clicking of locks and the door swings open. The shutter rattles and slides up, disappearing in the metal roll at the top of the door. Standing on the other side is an old man. Thin wisps of hair poke from his head, and long sideburns flare at the end of top puffy cheeks. He wears round, he wears brown pants and a suit vest with a pin with a pin strip button down shirt. In his hand is a double barreled sawed off shotgun pointed at you. Now don't try anything. We'll get along just fine, he says, and backs away. You step inside a narrow, berry lit hallway with stairs leading up and a side door. The old man introduces himself as Eugene and asks you to wait at the top of the stairs. He closes and bolts the outside metal shutter and-, and door, then follows you upstairs. Listen, maybe we got off on the wrong foot. Most people that come by here are up to no good. Can't be too careful these days. At the top of the stairs, he leads you into a room. You enter like this. You enter a well furnished apartment, though its contents are dated to several decades ago. Draped, sc- uh, dra- what the hell? Drape colored couch and a leisure chairs, a console television, a cabinet filled with glass and porcelain trinkets and statues, a brown <laughs> throw rug covering most of the hardwood floors, and a lingering smell of uh, medicinal ointment. The old man stands near an open archway of a bright yellow kitchen. At the stove hat stands, At the stove stands another man who's over six feet with short hair. He weaves away smoking smoke streaming up from a pan over a burner. Yo, Jacob, how you like your bacon? Crispy or extra crispy? Extra crispy, I hope because this is some burnt pork right here. You recognize the voice. Devlin? Devlin steps over to a round tile top table and and a meager plate of blackened bacon in the center. He steps over a chair and sits down with a plate of watery scrambled eggs. Devlin reaches to his belt and pulls his larger pistol out, placing it on his table. He stares at you during the motion. His hand hovers over the pistol, his middle finger touching the steel barrel like he's traced in the indentation of the smooth metal. He retracts his hand and shoves a forkful of the mushy yellow mixture into his mouth. Hey, Eugene, this one here is one of the ones I was telling you about, Devlin says and points at you with the fork, left me high and dry like I was one of the Zoms." He chooses food and meets you eye to eye. He has, his hand brushes over the pistol, and you think of drawing a weapon before you act. Devlin picks, the gu- picks up the gun and places it back in his belt, winks at you, and takes another bite of food.
1: It is an I know it was,
0: I know it wasn't really your choice, but but that's girls. What was her name, Heather? Yeah, well, anyway, as you can see, I'm doing fine right here. Hooked up with Eugene, and we've been doing our, our thing. Eugene uh, steps, near the, steps near the breakfast table and points to two empty chairs. Mindy takes a seat but keeps it sl- slid out, her hand inside a cargo pocket where the outline of a small pistol is visible through the pants. Oh, Jesus. You take, set, you oh. take a seat between her and Eugene. The powdered eggs actually taste great, and the fact that there's, there's real bacon is almost sensory <clears throat> overload. It's the first bite of different food in a month. Just enjoying the taste eases your garden, even has Mindy sliding closer to the table. Eugene, how is it that you've survived here so long? Temperance is overrun, Mindy asks. Eugene smiles and Devlin mutters something under his breath that you can barely catch. Something about manners. After my Agnes died, oh my God, Eugene and Agnes. After my Agnes died, God rest her soul. To be honest, I kind of withdrew. My kids had their lives, they lived away. I became interested more in my business and keeping up with grandkids or God forbid retiring and taking up a hobby. I love being a pharmacist and helping keeping the community healthy. About a year ago, I started hearing about new strains of viruses coming out of Africa and Asia, deadly viruses that destroyed whole villages, but were not communi- uh, communicable to the rest of the world, because these people were isolate- isolated in remote areas. As a pharmacist, I researched these outbreaks and found disturbing evidence suggesting that these viruses cross into a larger population. Well, he pauses for a moment and pushes his plate back. It would make, it would make the Black Plague look like the flu. Eugene, Eugene takes a swig of coffee and stares at the wall, eyes hazy if looking in the far off distance. You see the government has no control measures for a pandemic. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's relatable. Existing protocols are for investigation and surveillance, not true eradication of a virus. As the outbreaks in Africa and Asia spread, countries tried quarantining and segregation of infected population. Holy shit, this is incredible. A- this is money. That's all fine for influenza virus, but we're talking about highly lethal strains of active viruses. It may sound cruel, but the only method to handle it is to kill the host and do it fast, or, well, you see what happened. Eugene claps his hands together over the table. So, to answer your question, as the outbreak spread across Africa and Asia, I began hoarding food, supplies, medicine, and anything else I needed. So I've been fine living here for all this time in in modest comfort. Eugene finally takes a deep breath Breath, which provides a moment of silence. You have an opportunity opportunity for a question. We need medicine. Are you willing to trade with us? How did you meet Devlin? Or supplies run supplies run out. What are your plans for for the future?
1: Trade the business. What do you want to trade?
0: We need medicine. Are you willing to trade with us? Eugene nods his head and folds his arm. Yes, I'm willing to trade. Let's make let's let me put these plates in the sink, and we can meet downstairs at the pharmacy. Okay, man. Within a few minutes, you were led downstairs to a solid, heavy wooden door. Eugene produces this keychain from his pant pocket and spends a full minute matching the keys to the numerous key- keyholes before unlocking it. Inside is the pharmacy with rows and rows of packed shelves, counters spilled over with products, and a dozen locked hanging cabinets. The front of the store is boarded up with a thick wooden sheets and metal slates crisscrossed to form a huge lat- lattice of support. Right. So what can I get for you, Jacob? Asked Eugene as he steps around the corner taking his position as a pharmacist. You hand over the two lists from Emma and Eugene. Reads it out loud, shaking his head at each item. Well, we have all of this, so we're off to a good start. So what do you have to offer, asked Eugene. You look, you're, you're currently. Mindy. You're, you're carrying the following. <laughs> you're carrying the following. Uh, MP5, uh, 50 feet of rope, flashlight, first aid kit, multi-tool, spike baseball bat, binoculars, food, water, backpack. Or you can just, just stop trading. You don't want to offer any other items.
1: We haven't offered shit yet um okay so that already sounds like he's gonna ask for more uh fuck man i don't know uh ask the audience are you asking me yeah um one tip per episode
0: You do have a lot of food at home, so I would start with the food.
1: Okay, uh, you're right. I'll, I'll offer, offer like a meatball sub or something. So food? Yeah.
0: You lift the backpack and dump the cans and packaged meals on the counter. If you're willing to part with food, I'll take it, Eugene says and stacks the items on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eugene shifts on his feet, looking nervous we we'll still we're still far off on a fair trade. What else can you offer? Ask Oh
1: my god, this stingy fuck. Okay. Um oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not giving up the straps. That's dumb talk. Okay. <sighs> You yeah, offer up the binoculars.
0: Binoculars. You place the binoculars in a leather neck strap under the counter. Okay, these are useful, Eugene says, and lifts them off the counter, place them on a shelf. Devon leads against the end of the counter. What else you got, asked Eugene? Okay, what else do I have? You have the MP5, 50 feet of rope, a flashlight, first aid kit, multi tool, spiked baseball bat, water, and a backpack. Or you could just stop trading.
1: Does it say how much water I have at the crib?
0: You had enough for 17 days. Okay, uh, toss toss those water. Place the bottles of water in your canteen on the counter. We have water and besides, you need it, Eugene says. Devlin leans the end of the counter. What else you got?
1: He doesn't want the water. He doesn't want the okay walk. Okay, he denied that, bitch. Okay, fuck. Um, we have the MP5. 50 the feet baseball, of rope? But, uh, it's also the rope. 50 50 feet where of... did he where, where, where use it, eh?
0: You place the cold rope and grappling hook on the counter. <clears throat> Definitely something I can use, Eugene says. Devin cracks his knuckles loudly and stares at you. We're close, but I think one more thing should make this fair, Eugene says. Ah.
1: Holy shit I should just
0: pop these dudes. MP5 flashlight, first aid kit, multi-tool spike baseball bat and a backpack
1: Toss in the flashlight
0: You take out the flashlight and offered Eugene These are a dime a dozen I have no use for one more there Oh me- my god MP5 first aid kit multi-tool multi-tool okay you hand over the multi-tool and Eugene examines it flipping out the various gadgets and tools I guess I can use it you guess Devlin cracks his knuckles loudly and stairs you we're close but I think one more thing should make it what (laughs) no bro nah bro I'm about to
1: spray this room clean bro
0: so mp5 first aid kit spike baseball backpack or you can just stop trading aid you give him the first aid kit yeah nah yeah yeah eugene looks at the first aid kit this is a pharmacy you know i don't need this he slides the small metal box back to you awesome the bat spike baseball bat you swing the baseball bat and place it on the counter. The spikes clink against the glass surface. All right, now this is useful, Eugene says, and places under the counter. No, if if Declan cracks his knuckles, I'm cracking him. That's you, not that's done after that. Eugene steps back from his counter and claps his hands. Sounds like we have a deal. Within ten minutes, Eugene has gathered all your needed items. You pack everything securely in your, in yours and Mandy's backpacks, and Eugene even gave you some free medical supplies pain relief medicine, uh, rolls of tape and some surgical gloves. With the trading done, Eugene and Devlin escort you down the back doors of the pharmacy. Devlin leads and talks with Mindy while Eugene hangs back next to you. I do mean to pry on your business, but one of the prescriptions, resperdol. who's it for? Eugene asks in a whisper. It's for my, I sis- I my, I s- my sister, forgot. Emma. Oh. It's for me. One of the members of the safe house. I don't know. It was just on the list.
1: It was just on the list. I honestly don't know who it was. It was it was your sister's, but... Okay. Uh,
0: you still going to go with that answer? Yeah? yeah? Yeah. I don't know. It was just on the list. I see, I see, says Eugene. Just so you were aware, Risperdal is for schizophrenia.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake, bro. You reached the, the bottom... The
0: CD. You reach the bottom of the stairs before you can discuss this with Eugene any further. Good luck, Jacob, says Devlin as he unlocks the door. Be careful, exclaimed Eugene. You thank both of them for the hospitality and you head through the door into Temperance. Hospitality? I just got robbed. Outside the pharmacy, Mindy takes lead and hurries down the back alley to the main street. Clouds are thick overhead, though no rain falls and often the distant sheets of lightning flash in the silent sky. Trash rustles down the street and pigeons shoot overhead, passing above the rooftops. We have some daylight left. Should we try the animal hostel- hospital or head back to the cathedral ask Mindy what the fuck are we going to the
1: animal hospital for
0: Cuz remember Emma said there's two places to go the pharmacy and the animal hospital but
1: didn't we already get what we wanted
0: uh, this is a decision up to you you can always find more right this is the whole uh, about Okay going- but we already got what we wanted right remember you are very low of fuel and medicine back at your base so bringing okay, things yeah, in
1: Yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah you Okay yeah, let's go let's go let's go you can let's go let's, back to, you can go back let's go. to you want no, let's go peep the dogs. Let's go. Okay, go to the animal hospital. You're going to get be killed. You follow Mindy, keeping watch behind your position for any signs of danger. The streets are calm and your path is clear as you cross narrow streets through temperance. Mindy, guiding your path, the sun descends into the sky, so you estimate an hour or so before dusk. You do not want to be in town after dark as it adds the risk of escaping zombie attacks. Being confronted by bandits or any other maraud of derangers, new obstacles this twisted world may throw at you uh uh-huh. safe Paws animal hospital sits atop a sloping street it's signs poking above and other in the other stores a, com- a comical cartoon chihuahua in a surgeon's outfit remnants of a pet playground still lie in the grass outside those of multicolored blocks and ramps make for an exercise course for the four-legged though you have witnessed countless atrocities in the last six weeks and a horrible, horrible display of human suffering your heart drops at the thought of witnessing what your imagination dreams is inside as Eugene's pharmacy was a secured building, safe pause is open and unprotected. Windows are shattered. The front door is gone, and the walls are scorched or covered in dirt. A banner over the entrance offers twenty percent off teeth cleaning for new customers. And as you draw closer, Mindy rips down the hall and balls it up. Let's get this over with, she says. Facts. You're There's a to- death
1: claw in there. I know for a fact.
0: <laughs> death claw. Yeah. <laughs> nice reference. Nice pull.
1: Yeah, facts respect.
0: You, ste- you stepped inside a reception area. This this stark white wall is now coated in filth and dust with chairs flipped over and the counter stained with dried blood. Water drips from a sunken portion of, of droops, droop, drop ceiling, a patch of yellow moldy <laughs> board threatening the bro, floor. are floor. you good, bud? you are no. been
1: off today, bro. Pressure above. Ceiling.
0: The two of you creep over the floor, weapons drawn, stopping at every creak and floorboard. From the reception area extends a dimly lit corridor. Broken lights decorate the ceiling and odd smears of dried liquid coat the walls like some madman's art project. A maraud of dark colors sprayed about. You step forward and listen to any sound until you become lost in the task. Like staring so close at an object that you become blind to the rest of the world. On your left, a sign over a tan wooden door reads exam one. While While to your left, a similar sign reads storage over a dark green door. Though covered in heavy blotches of amber. Where do you go? Examination room one, or the storage or, continue, storage, or continue down the corridor. Storage. Storage. You swing you swing the door in, but it stops halfway. Clutter behind it falls down and blocks its path. Broom handles, a mop head, and an empty bucket rattles inside. And you bend to catch the cleaning supplies to block the noise. Down the hallway, a shuffling echoes, and Mindy steps back, raising her gun. She jerks oh a gun God. side to side, and sweat droplets roll down her cheeks. Holy shit. Sorry for the noise you whisper. Let's just get out of here, she states. We'll find meds somewhere else. This place is ransacked. Her shaking voice matches her hand. She steps backward, pale complexion noticeable even in the dim light. You consider leaving the place of Mindy as you agree that that nothing appears left of value in this hospital. However, there are several more rooms to investigate. Continue searching the other areas or leave the animal hospital.
1: Uh, we'll, We'll check out one more room.
0: Continue searching the other areas. Where do you go? Exam one or continue down the corridor?
1: I know there's nothing in the exam room, bro. Because you want us to get closer to that noise. head down.
0: Continue down the corridor.
1: We're getting ballsy.
0: The end of the hallway winds in a series of open enclaves and a large center area of turned over metal tables, bent and broken metallic surgical lamps and tools, cracked respirators, empty oxygen tanks, and bottles of numerous medicines all emptied or crushed. There's a single exit on the far right side of the room. You and Mindy split to investigate each side. Peering (sighs) to the first enclave of the right, you step under a shadow and feel the coolness of air. The room is empty except for a light box with x-rays showing the hind half of a cat with tiny breaks in his back legs. A chart lies on top of an exam table reading, Whiskers, A. Jones. You slide the table cabinet open, find a dust covered roll of exam table papers, which you shove into your backpack in case in any of you stammer. In the next enclave you you pull open a curtain to reveal a waist high cage stacked in a dog crate, each empty. Next to them are a stack of medical charts, a ripped poster of two Labradors wearing birthday party hats, an empty box of surgical gloves. Pain on the walls, black ink are the words, fear the future is. Against the sidewall is a container marked medical waste and you lift the lid and almost gag at the sight of the spoiled contents. The color and texture of tapioca pudding. (laughs) A crash from the other room room jars your attention and you rush out of the, the enclave. In the surgery suit, an exam bench is flipped on its side, broken glass covers the floor, and Mindy is standing by the back wall tossing objects into the center of the room. On the medical table, the bones of a canine are displayed in perfect order, as if preserved and a witness to anyone finding them. An oxygen an mask rests over the snout, and several tubes are positioned where lungs used to be. You step inside and nearly slip. Looking down, you notice a puddle of water lying across the tile floor, and wonder what about the irony of breaking your neck from a fall when you find countless zombies and bandits. Frost. Mindy grunts with each throw, sending a clipboard against the table like an uh, oblong frisbee, then hoisting a printer, then hoisting a printer at the far wall. Tears coat her red face as she mutters unintelligible words with each launch of a new item. The noise will attract attention if anyone is near. How do you deal with the situation? Stop her. Restraining her is necessary. Convincing her to stop. Do nothing. Let her stop when she is ready. What the fuck convince her? Convince her to stop? Yeah. You step forward. And you step toward Mindy, raising your hands to their side in a non-threatening manner. Mindy, shh. It will be okay, you say. She kicks a chair, sailing into the corridor, screeching along the tiles until it topples in a loud crash. Mindy, what are you angry about? If you tell me, I can try to help. You don't understand, she yells and runs towards you and hand clenched and drawn back, ready to strike. Her hot breath hits your face. I don't understand, you say, and you drop hands to your side. Help me to understand. She brings her arms up and bends the elbow, shaking as she she stands ready to strike. You show no reaction and wait for her to make a move. Mindy pushes your shoulder back. Shoulders and backs away. Tears streaming over her flushed cheek. She sinks to the ground silently, sobbing. Her knees hiked up to her chest. You are not sure what to do for Mindy to motivate her off the floor or provide words to reassure her. For that will, the light that it all will be all right. You're not even sure why this emotional outburst occurred. But you have to make a move because time is wasting, and being in the city at night is even more dangerous. Search your room, or get Mindy, or get Mindy to leave with you. Let's do. Get Mindy to leave with you.
1: She probably saw a dead cat or something.
0: You stepped to Mindy and kneel down. look, let's get her here. We should get back to the cathedral before it's it dark. Mindy looks at you, eye to eye, her face and yet, and the eyes swollen. There's nothing left. Well, there's nothing here but no, no, she interrupts i mean the the world there's nothing, nothing but those things in us. Oh you my have...
1: God,
0: you have no reply. Ooh, ooh. And just stare at her—a blank expression meeting a blank expression. A low moan creeps into the room, a wailing of souls so stirring you immediately realize the dead have found their way inside. You step to the edge of the room and take cover behind a jutting end of the hallway. Uh... Half a dozen or more zombies wander to the far end of the corridor, oh, bumping into one another no, in their aimless, aimless undead walk. You return to Mindy, who is wiping tears from her eyes and f- eyes and face. At least six of them coming fast down the hall. Mindy nods and rises, and together you cross the room to the exit and open to the cool, dusk air of temperance. You and Mindy hand away from safe pause, taking the na- remember you there was an exit on the room. Taking oh, the narrow God. back street in quick strides. As the sun sets past the pale sky, you gain a sense of urgency to return to the cathedral. The crisp wind yeah, cool. the crisp wind washes over your face, though it brings a rank odor of something indescribable with it. At the corner you see the body of a half-torn woman sticking midway out of a gutter, her short torso, torso sticking out like being buried in sand. While her face <coughs> is over where the marks of zombies are animal bites, now worms and flies parade in the area, cleaning up what's left. You cover your mouth and nose and cross the street. Mindy is an amazing partner, and she navigates the street of San Francisco yeah. as she lived here her whole life. You glide through the shadows and pass between cars and fences and floor to cover your passage from the eyes of living or unliving. In the fading light, the city casts a strange glow as it absorbing the remnants of the sun and reflecting the back of your eyes. The truck to the car is a long mile under, under the threat of rain. Just as you reach the camouflage vehicle, the clouds open and, and spill pebble-sized hail on the outskirts of Temperance. Oh, in the roof God. of the car as you set off to the cathedral with no words, Mindy lies in the passenger seat and quickly falls asleep. Arriving back at the cathedral, you are greeted by Heather, Emma, and Tom in the parking lot. You provide details of your trip to Tom as you head inside. He is thrilled as your success in finding medicine and returning home safely. In the sanctuary, the rest of the group has gathered and you spend several minutes describing the events in Temperance. The mysterious bandits and the zombie cheerleaders, Eugene and Devil in the pharmacy, and searching safe pause. The group listens to every de- detail in perfect silence like an attentive congregation, and the fact that the meeting is held in a church is not lost on you. That evening, as you head into your dormitory on the second floor, Emma bursts through the door and she wraps her arms around your neck, crying and kissing your face. Thank That's you so awesome. much for your medicine. I really needed it. Knowing the main reason for taking Respidol is schizophrenia, do you discuss this with Emma? Yeah, I'm a brother. Yes. Emma, I found out that the drug you asked me to get, respidol, is for schizophrenia. She stops kissing you and leans back and then slips her arms from you, from around your neck. I'm not crazy. It's, it's that what you think, she says and backs away with her hands on her hips. There are things that go going on in my head, but the medicine stops it. I'm fine. I know you were worried, but I swear I'm fine. Emma heads out of the room. You consider stopping here to talk more, but you are so tired and you stunned by her behavior. <laughs> That you feel it's best to let it go for the evening. <laughs> yeah, dragon, dragon. This is literally
1: what, what I what, what I just pictured. Fuck.
0: Fucker, you crash in the bed and fall asleep in moments.
1: Hell yeah! <laughs> uh,
0: nice. Uh. All right.
1: All right, we're an hour in.
0: We are an hour in. We can go for what half an hour? What I say, eight?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm done.
0: Alright, here's an update. Uh, you are now... you are, Your relationship with Emma and Mindy are now the same. Okay. Alright. Uh, your water supply is for 16 days. Your food supply is down to 3 days. Your energy use is 1 day. Whoa, whoa. Run that back one more time? Your food supply is at 3 days. Energy Oof. use is 1. Water supply Oof. is 16. Oh. Okay. We are we're fucked. And your, your humanity is... Just above average now.
1: Okay, that's good, but that doesn't help the stomach. Uh,
0: so we're at June 24, 2012. A noise startles you awake, a scratch or tapping distant, but sharp enough to hear you in your deep slumber. You sit up in bed inside the cathedral dorm, alone, sheets and skin drenched in sweat, stomach tight, breathing rapid. The window is closed, and the wind knocks against the glass, brushing by tiny stones and twigs. Your forearms are scratched, long and superficial, skin embedded under your your fingernails. Was I having a nightmare? The clock reads 845. Breakfast is almost over. No one woke you? Rising from bed, you? Throw on some clothes and rush downstairs to the gathering for breakfast. Get dressed and see if anyone else is on the second level. First one. Throw on some clothes and rush downstairs to get the gathering for breakfast. In the gathering, Emma and Heather stand at one end of the central table, clearing dishes while Uncle Lou and Jason sit at the opposite end, still eating. No one looks, looks your way as you enter. You step inside in. Ask why no one woke you for breakfast. Grab a bowl of oatmeal and join Jason and Uncle Lou. Grab a bowl of oatmeal and sit alone. Leave without food. Ask. Ask when no one woke you for breakfast. All heads turn in unison to face you, and the room becomes silent. Usually Heather or Emma handles that, says Uncle Lou, his voice trailing at the end. I knocked, but you wouldn't wake up, says Emma, shrugging her shoulders and pursing her lips. You step further rube and reply, apologetically. Sorry about that. Curiously, are you sure you knock loud enough? In a strict tone. Next time, come in and wake me up. Angrily. When did I wake up? Didn't you think it on want to check, check on me?
1: First one. Just relax. Just relax. Sorry about that oh i thought i thought oh shit i thought that was all like sorry about that just not knock louder next time fuck i meant to say knock louder came up that's sound like a bitch
0: emma shrugs and walks past you with no eye contact or ounce. oh my oh i'm about to punch this all heather steps next to you trying t- tying her hair into a ponytail she's a oh she's yeah in a, <laughs> she's in a funk that sister of yours she mentions meant she mentions she mentions <laughs> Yo, you're having a rough night, brother. Citing the sighing the words out, her answer to everything is whatever, like some kind of freaking post pubescent emo kid. <laughs> Fuck. Right. She drops the ponytail, throws a playful punch at your arm, and heads out of the gathering. Next you decide to <laughs> grab a boy o- grab a bowl of oatmeal join Jason, Uncle Lou. Grab a bowl of oatmeal and sit alone or leave without food.
1: No, you don't want to wake me up, so I'm gonna
0: eat by myself. Grab a bowl of oatmeal and sit alone. The gray liquid in the pot hisses as you ladle late, ladle ladle oh a spoonful into the bowl. The quicksand mixture blows steam up as you cro- cross over to the central table and sit at the vacant edge. You make quick work on the meal and keep your mind clear from the distraction in the room. Though you were late Parks. for breakfast, maybe it is better to be late and left alone. Parks. Only a few, few minutes go by before Javier enters the gathering, and walks over to you, his shaggy brown hair covering most of his face and lying across the eyes. The stubble on his face has odd, has odd missing patches, like a poorly kept lawn. Tom Kidding. would like to see you in his office, he says. Hey, now nah, he...
1: that's racist as fuck. Is Javier? The only thing they can compare him to is a lawn. Okay, true. <laughs> that's that's messed, bro.
0: Tom would like to Here see you, you in his office, he says, and immediately turns away and walks turns and walks away. You finish the meal and consider your options. Head upstairs first to speak with another survivor or go to Tom's office.
1: Go to human resources. Let's go. Tom. You're gonna go straight to Tom? Yeah.
0: Tom stands at his desk, hands pressed firmly down in a large folded map of the area. As you enter, he extends a hand to the brown weathered leather couch against the wall, and you push aside a pile of books to sit. Tom's appearance has altered the the least among the survivors in the past weeks. Always a slim but toned man, he has maintained his weight and vigor despite the rationing of food. His beard is thick and sharply cut like a a statue etched in stone, and his eyes always show intensity as if he's holding back some secret of the world. Okay. And revealing is though some dark blue revealing his through those dark blue circles, his soul concerns has been survival of the year group. Impellish planning has led all of you through the past six weeks with the best results possible given the circumstances. Okay. Before Tom looks up from the map, you ask, ask about his life before the outbreak. Ask ask him about zombie exodus or why he sent you. Why he sent why
1: you. Yeah, uh, why he sent for me? Straight to business.
0: Let's get down to business, he says, and turns to pin the the map on the wall. Tape beside his list, the current status of supplies. Water, 16 days. Food, three days. Energy, one day. Medicine, adequate. Fuel, low. Days until ZE, about 30. Our food supply is dangerously low. We need to supplement or we'll be starving soon, Jacob. I'd like you to take a run for those supplies.
1: Oh my God!
0: I'm happy to help, Tom. I guess I'll go, Tom. My my time and skills are better used elsewhere.
1: I guess I'll go.
0: I guess I'll go, Tom. Javier and Emma step into the room. Tom may make a suggestion. Javier states most of the grocery stores and supermarkets are empty. It makes no sense to how do you say squeeze blood from a stone? But but Emma and me are on our trip for supply uh, for our supplies last week. We ran to a military depot. We did not go inside, but maybe this is good for use for us to search. I had a really bad feeling about that place, Emma said. She shifts on her feet and shakes her head and side to side. Well, what other choices do we have, Tom asks. Like Javier said, we have a few, few options. Javier and Jacob, you two go together, investigate, and report back. It appears we have a sizable cache of food or supply Radio us. We can send out another group to help haul it back. Javier suggests you get packed and ready to go soon, at least before 11 a.m. You glance at your watch 9.38. As you walk outside to head to the supply room, Emma pulls you off the side of the hallway and, and waits for Javier to leave the area. Listen, that place you're going to is not safe. I don't have concrete evidence, but you, it's just a feeling that there is a danger inside. Besides, Javier is a wild card, so even if you go, do go, he's not reliable enough to have your back. You reply with, "What do you mean wild card?" I appreciate your concern, but this is our best chance for supplies. You need to stop worrying and let me do this.
1: What do you mean wild card?" Because he's persecuted.
0: He kept pushing and pushing to move faster everywhere we went. He walked through the woods with no care for caution or safety. I kept behind cover like I've been taught, but not Javier. He made noise, took shots at tree branches just for the hell of it, even joked about trying to catch his zombie to bring back to the cathedral. You could not rely on him or trust him. Emily leans against the wall, slowly banging her fist against it. Her eyes are dark and cloudy, making you wonder if she's gotten any sleep in a while. Her lips are chapped and slightly swollen. Her hair pulled back tightly in a sharp ponytail. Much like the vague image of your mother, you have tucked far back in your memory. As you hey, walk to the supply from west of the gathering, Emma falls behind. We only checked out the military depot for a few minutes before I told Javier I was leaving him if he went any further. There's a chain link fence and a wall around the place and this tiny path leading up to the doors. The whole place isn't even that big. and maybe the size of the church here. The entrance was totally dark, even though it was midday, Javier tried to open the door, but it was locked up and he wedged a crowbar into the door, but it wouldn't budge. And there was some kind of security camera or circular thing that moved once. Though Javier swears it didn't.
1: She's schizophrenic, so I don't really believe this shit.
0: That's fair. Inside the supply room, you took over the shelves of the guns and other supplies. First, you take a black backpack and pack it with two sandwiches and six bottles of water. You take a canteen of water and co- connect to the back of your belt. You look. You look over to the items across the shelves and consider supplies for your trip. You can carry ten pounds. You're carrying a max around thirty-five. Which items do you take? Doing this again? Pretty much everything. Everything that was available last time.
1: Okay. <sighs>
0: Tell me the options of the firearms again. Firearms. We have an AK-47 assault rifle. We have a twelve-gauge shotgun. We have an MP5 submachine gun. We have a Colt Python revolver, and we have a rifle. It just says rifle.
1: How much is that AK weigh?
0: AK is ten pounds.
1: Yeah, grab me that AK.
0: You're carrying twenty pounds of carry max around thirty five. Which end you take next?
1: Okay, toss me a first aid.
0: There is a first aid.
1: Toss me a multi tool.
0: And a multi tool.
1: What am I? What am I left with?
0: You're at twenty six pounds right now.
1: Okay, so I got nine.
0: Yes, sir.
1: Okay, um, toss me a flashlight. Flashlight. You can now carry seven pounds. What are the other options?
0: Uh there I'm assuming you don't want another gun because you already have one. Uh 50 feet of rope, night vision goggles, combat knife, spike baseball bat, cavalry sword, or a cobar.
1: Doesn't say the sword is rusty, eh?
0: Does not say that. Bring the sword. Calvary sword. You're you know, carrying 33 pounds, you can carry max around 35, you can carry 2 pounds. So you could take the combat knife is the only thing you could take that would fit. Everything else is overweight, so yeah, combat knife. Yeah. There you go.
1: I have held the straps.
0: Having an extra lightweight melee weapon could be useful. You have a combat knife through the air to get a feel for it, then sheath it and attach it to your belt. You consider the weight of all you've gathered and cannot carry anymore? Hey, yeah, fuck off. Next page. As you pick the last of your items, Emma grips your hand and stops from leaving. Her right hand is blistered and the skin is cracking red and flaky. Jacob, if you get back, we have to talk. I mean, when you get back, I need to talk to you. You reply. Just with, talk to me now. What do you need to talk about? Well, when I get back, we will spend some time together. Get a hold of yourself. We're not kids anymore. First one. What do you need to talk about? She squints her eyes and wipes her forehead. It's okay. We'll talk when you're back. She releases oh your arm, turns God. on your heels, and heads up the room. You head through the gathering and into the sanctuary where Javier is giving his gear a last check. In the room, where Uncle Lou keeping watch... His what? The- He's giving his gear a last check.
1: I, I said his girl. I was like,
0: who's he banging?" In the room, where Uncle Lou keeping watch along the catwalk, Jason at his computer array, and Heather sitting against the folding table with a pile of various electronic equipment. After lo- lo- loading... After loading the Ford F-150 truck with gear, you get final instructions from Tom. Scout that was, first. That was,
1: that was not a slick ad read, bro.
0: I know. Scout the first. Ford F-150. Scout first and only enter the depot if it appears abandoned. As Emma leans in for a final go by, she wraps around your wraps her arm around your shoulder, yanks you in close, and whispers, Watch your back out there. You are all alone. Don't rely on Javier. You head to the passenger's side as Javier is already bro. inside the driver's seat with a final look back at the cathedral. See, effort.
1: that's what I like, bro. That's what I like. He he didn't ask. Hey, you want? he just got in there, bro.
0: Respect. You, t- you turn your attention to the road and the trek to the military depot. It takes 40 minutes through many winding back roads to reach your destination. Right. The sun decorates the midday sky, burning orange through the light. Blue canvas. canvas. Its blurred edges near you, hypnotizing Turning a sharp bend, you see a gated entrance to a well-paved path with a sign above reading, Scar Road Depot. Scar Tree branches and vines hide most of the tall metal gate, but you spot a stone wall starting on both sides leading away in a tight circle. The path is short and ends at a four-car lot with bright painted lanes and a blue handicap symbol on the ground. Javier parks the truck sideways and turns off the mortar You consider now to be an opportunity to discuss any plans or strategy while on the mission. You have five, you have five things you could do. You're in charge, Javier. Just tell me what you need me to do. And I I say, he has more knowledge of these things than I'll defer to him. You're in charge, Javier. Just tell me what needs to be done. I say, though, I have no intention of listening to him. Take charge and let Javier know you are calling the shots. Let Javier know neither of you are in charge and everything should be discussed before proceeding. Say nothing and say our things before discussing plans or strategies.
1: We got uh, – me, me, and, me and him are our team.
0: So, uh, let Javier know neither of you are in charge and everything should be discussed before proceeding?
1: Yeah.
0: Javier, before we go inside, let's agree to discuss things before acting. We've got to watch each other's backs. Javier nods and smiles. Sure, whatever you say.
1: Oh, fuck. That's
0: And hops out of the truck. Javier, uh, the depot enter, entrance is only one story tall, and made of charcoal, gray stone, and tan concrete – Given the image of a World War II bunker, brownish ivy grows across the roof and a nameplate across the top is partially torn off to read scrapped. Tall dying trees wrap around the edges of the wall and then overgrowth of of dull green plant life creates natural barriers from circling around the building to check check for another entrance. A shoebox-sized camera sits atop a single metal door. As you draw closer, the door appears to have no handle and the seam of the door well is is barely visible as dirt and dust have covered it over in a dense film. Javier mm. pushes against the door, kicks the bottom of it with a loud bong, and slides his finger along the seam. What do you do? Let Javier try to open the door while you stand watch. Ask Javier to back off and let you inspect the door. Uh, use your combat knife to open the door. Use your multi-tool to open the door. Use your sword to open the door. Make your way around the side of the depot and check for another entrance. Multi. Use your multi-tool to open
1: the door. Not for a fucking reason.
0: Javier, let me try something, you say, and take the multi-tool out of your backpack. Javier stops, turns around turns towards you, raises his hand up, and steps away from the entrance. He promptly whips out a cigarette and lights it. Nice. You step over and investigate the entrance. The door is roughly the size of a man and rounded, much like the doors on a submarine, which allows for a tight air-proof seal. You run your hand along the seam and find no gaps or indentions. You follow it all the way around and spot no lock or handle. You flip out a flathead screwdriver from the multi-tool, place the edge of it into the seam, and move it around and attempt to wedge it in. A whirring sound catches your ear, and you spot the overhead camera move. It raises and points in Javier's direction, then shifts lower towards you, then back to Javier. Before you can react to the camera, the entrance door slides open, knocking off balance and onto your back. Javier raises a rifle toward the now open door. Just inside the depot is utter darkness and no sound can be heard, venting from beyond the doorway. You ready your assault rifle for any danger and step inside the depot. Daylight illuminates a short portion of the inner hallway. Sterile white walls, now slightly gray from dust, extend beyond the darkness. A small square metal trash can lies on the floor, tipped over with the trash spilled out. Javier produces a flashlight from the knapsack and shines it down the corridor. You step inside. Luckily, the hallway is wide enough to allow both of you to stand side by side. Far ahead, the hallway ends in a, in a door on the western wall, and another door splits the hallway going south. When you pass the threshold, you think it may not be wise to block the door before open in case you cannot figure out how to open it again. Though well, this will also increase the risk of someone or something following you inside. Should you block the door or don't block the door? Don't block. Don't block it. The sound of your footsteps thumping through the hallways, ringing off the walls, caused you to flinch with every movement from the worry of alerting others to your presence. Well, they already know we're there. You haven't seen one of those things as your group has started calling the zombies since last night at the cathedral. The ride over was too peaceful. so You're good. The ride was too peaceful, so you superstitiously expect one to pop up at any moment. <laughs> as you move through the hallway, lights go on dimly enough to see the surrounding, and Javier shuts off his flashlight. Right. At the edge of the hall, the two closed doors are the only path to take. One on your right, lights flooded from under the door as the door is the low-humming static sound of a fan or generator. You gather no information on what lies past the door in front of you. And while you listen, Javier reaches for the handle. Let him open it or stop him. Stop him. You reach out and grab his arm. Hang on a minute, you say. Javier looks back at you then opens the side door and steps through. Inside is a closet-sized room with a circular stairs leading down, a broken light panel overhead, and a gas mask on the tiled floor next to the stairs. Without hesitation, Javier starts down the stairs. Follow Javier down, take the gas mask, head to the other room in the hallway, head out of the depot.
1: Take the gas mask.
0: You pick up the gas mask and... Mask and throw it into your bag. What do you do next? Follow Javier down, head to the other room in the hallway, head out of the depot.
1: Oh, just dip on him?
0: What? Nah, nah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm just going to continue by myself because the man just wanted to go down. We said, we said we talked, and the man didn't want to talk, so you have to your business.
0: Waste, man. So you're going to go to the other room in the hallway? Other room in the hallway?
1: Yeah, sorry. Um, my fucking shit cut up for a second.
0: The room is well lit by a light panel overhead and appears to standard office. The roughly 10 feet by 10 in dimensions with two metal discs and a chair. Mini, riv- mini refrigerator, two computers, fax, and desktop printers. There are no windows and only a narrow door against the right wall. Windows? Windows? Vents around the top of the room buzz as lukewarm air pumps in. The desks are locked shut, but the paperwork, pen holders, and other materials are arranged neatly on the desk. The computers are on a dull black screen with a simple line of text. Enter text or leave the system.
1: Enter text?
0: Yeah. Sure. Sorry, the simple line of text says ready. Enter text or leave the system.
1: Enter text. Enter.
0: Enter text. You can enter any text you want into the system. Wagwan. How do you spell that?
1: W-A-G-W-A-N.
0: W-A-G-W-A-N? Yeah. (laughs) The the command seems to do nothing, but after several moments, the screen clears and returns this command prompt. Ready. You can enter text or leave the system. Dip. Leave the system. You glance around the rest of the room. Two name play, place cards are set on the wall. Jonathan Helms and Michael Michael Monteri. The fax machine and printer have a thick layer of dust and no paper, while the refrigerator has a simple piece of tape across the door with the words list in a blue marker. You stand and check the side door. The handle doors not turn. As you look around the room, you see nothing that indicates there's a switch to open the door. Next, you head into the hallway or use the computer. Into the hallway. You walk out of the side room. Where do you go? Through the door at the end of the hall. Or leave the depot. Through the door. Through the door at the end of the hall. You head back downstairs to the lower level. You step down the stairs, feeling that with one foot up, and after each step to ensure your safety. As you walk into complete darkness, you wonder if you call out for Javier, but you have no idea who or what is an alert to my presence. You take out your flashlight and flick it under reveal an immense room that almost overwhelm, overwhelms you from the sheer magnitude, possibly the size of a football field. This area is made up of tall, long metal shells with various boxes and containers covering every inch of them. You read, yeah, the lab- die. <laughs> you read over the labels of the storage units, food, purified water, ammunition, and other common necessities for life after an apocalypse. Mm. On the side of the room is a control panel covered with knobs, buttons, and switches with two screens. On the panel and two overhead monitors, near the panel are two zombies, both still alive, their mouths moving and arms lifting to, to reach you. However, they are immobile, seem to lack the strength to rise. One zombie lies on the ground, his appendages swinging slowly about as if falling through ocean water. The other, um, army, other, army, the other zombie, dressed in a U.S. military gray tan and green yeah, uniform, that's, uniform that's, that's
1: Michael and U-
0: sits at the console, <laughs> his left hand moving over a joystick. Kill the zombies, look around the storage room, check the control panel, head back upstairs. Kill them. Kill the zombies. Which, which do you want to use? The cavalry sword, the combat knife, the AK-47. Cavalry. Cavalry sword. Sing, 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 You slide the sword out of its scabbard and raise the sword over the zombie on the ground. It looks up through your path- you pathetically, and you jab the end of the blade right through the creature's right eye. The blade embeddies deeply into the skull, and it flops around for several seconds before it comes to a final rest. Thick brown blood spills from its head, but congeals. Congeals, Jesus! Congeals quickly on the floor. You dispatch the, dispatch the other zombie in a similar fashion. Okay. The nature of the zombies is unsettling, since you are far more used to the overly aggressive variety. These look more pale, and their blood much thicker and brown. It seemed like they lacked energy or motivation to attack. With the zombies dealt with, what do you do next? Check the control panel, look around the storage room, or head back upstairs.
1: Wait, didn't you say there was, like, uh, food and all that shit?
0: That'll be looking around the storage room. Okay, yeah. Look around the storage room. Grab that. You head to the wall and decide to follow it around the entire perimeter. After several hundred feet, you reach a corner and peer down the long wall, near the middle of which is a square. Metal gates stretching from floor to ceiling. Reaching the gate, you inspect it and find it made of thick steel that rolls up into a chamber above, much like a garage door. Narrow switchbox switch exists on the right side but is locked in a circular keyhole present in the center. Having no idea how to raise the gate, you continue to walk around the perimeter and find no other exits but more and more rows of shelves and supplies, too many to count. Lights in the room flicker and pop back on with strange electrical crackling sound. This momentary change in the atmosphere gives you pause to consider your mission to find supplies, having hit the mother load. You have the decision to make. Start looking through supplies and figuring out what is best to take. Get out of this depot and let your group know what you found or find a way into the garage. Grab supplies. There's uh, a desk
1: claw in the garage.
0: Just start looking through supplies and figuring out what is best, or, or just yeah. It, okay. Uh, with so many boxes of food and supplies, your group couldn't make use of them for months. You pursue the you uh, pursue the first chef shelf. Can be Jesus Christ.
1: Bro, you got it, man.
0: Got Let's start this. this again. With so many boxes of food food and supplies your group could use for them for months. You, the first shelf has canned peas, baked beans, corn, and other vegetables in the first row. With meat and canned beans. fruits on re- rows two and three, respectively. You pop open a random box, canned spam. Lily Though thought of spooning your meat is quite disgusting, a different type of protein will be a welcome change. The next shelf is a gold mine of batteries of every shape and sizes from AAA to car and truck batteries. This is followed by tape, tape dispensers, staples, staplers, staple removers, highlighters, mouse pads, and other items that may be useful before Holy the box. Holy fuck. provides limitless when fighting hordes of fleshing ex-humans. You check each shelf on the east all the way up to the garage and find a plethora fl- fl- of useful items, from small firearms to heavy machine guns, waterproof watches, sunscreens, camping gear, inflatable rafts, oxygen tanks, and medical equipment, camouflage, camouflage clothing, tools, nails, screws, and more until you grow tired of listing it all on your notepad. You pop open a vacuum-sealed medical container and find a can of imported beer. Though lukewarm, it is the best thing you have tasted in a month. You cross back around the control panel to check hat, check a shelf of ammunition. A phone rings. You freeze. After, after a few seconds, you hear the distinctive ring again. The ring of 1980s style rotary phone. You have roti- rotisserie style rotisserie rotary style phone. You haven't heard a you haven't heard a phone in a month. The Jason meant it is still possible through old wiring, they have almost forgotten the technology existed. A third ring brings you back to the focus, the source of which is close. As you head over to the control panel, a swing-away door is popped open, and inside, sure enough, is a black receiver with no dial pad or wheel. The phone continues to ring while you stand and consider whether to answer it or not. After, after, after half a minute, a female voice sounds out in the room. Answer the control panel phone. You grab the receiver and lift it to your ear. Static comes through the earpiece, but after a few seconds, it's clear and crisp, male voice speaks. Hello. Please identify yourself. Give your full name. Tell them your first name. Give them a false name. Tell them nothing.
1: Full name. I just shot
0: there always. Give your full name. My name is Jacob Novikoff, your Reply. The sound on the other end becomes a muffled as the microphone is covered and several people are speaking. Then the male voice returns. Jacob, we know you're in our depot, depot but we do not know your exact location. Please provide directions. Give your location. Give false directions. Say nothing. Say it one more time. The,
1: the the whole thing or the thing the questions? The options, the options The options
0: give your location give your false give false directions or say nothing say nothing you remain silent are you deaf the voice asks i can print out the question on the monitor one of the on the screen lights up then fades black green letters acc- scroll across give give us the depot location mm-hmm. give your location give false directions say nothing
1: Okay, here's my here's here, here's where I'm at. Where are
0: you at?
1: I wanna say, okay. Tell them the tell them my location, because I'm trying to see, I'm trying to not have as much fun. Cause I, I trespassed in their shit. But I know they're gonna see, yo, you just killed our homies. Even mm-hmm. though they're zombies, you killed our homies. Mm-hmm. Let's blame that. On the other side, I want to give them wrong directions, but if I continue to grab my shit while they're searching in a place I'm not, whatever, and then they find me, I'm bled. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know. Was there an option to say nothing again? Yeah. I snitch on myself.
0: So, giving your location.
1: Ah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
0: give your location. Fuck!
1: I fucked it. I fucked it. I fucked this it. depot I fucked it. I fucked is it. approximately three miles
0: southeast of a small town called Temperance. The roads are fairly clear. Oh wait, they're not even. Oh, I thought they were like they're looking for the room. No, they're they're not even there. No. Fuck. <laughs> okay. So take Hilson Road, which leads you to Temperance, and take and take it 20 minutes until you reach Scar Road, This depot is long there. Thank you for the information, the voice says. We are sending a team to your location for assistance. There's a motion on the other end of the line, the chatter of multiple voices, scraping of metal chairs and floors, and the shuffling of papers. This may be an opportunity to find out more about the people on the other side of the phone. Ask, who am I speaking with? Ask, what kind of group are you? Ask, what kind of team are you sending? Hang up the phone. Who are you? Who am I speaking with? Yeah. The voice comes back on the other end. Where are my manners? He says with a chuckle. Call me Colin. After a okay. few seconds, he adds, anything else? We're busy here. We need to wrap it up. This call. Ask what kind of group are you? What kind of team are you sending? Do you know how to open the garage door here? Hang up the phone. What kind of group are you? Ask what kind of group you are. Well, that's a good question. We are a military unit attempting to locate survivors and supplies. We are organizing a safe zone to begin their building of civilization. Some noise in the background on Colin's end interrupts his response. You hear a woman's voice, what sounds like skin, slapping skin, and a muffled yell. Colin comes back on the phone. Sorry about that, Colin says, just turning the TV down. It's kind of loud. A heavy crash comes with the phone, causing you to pull it away from your ear, screaming and shouting and shriek from the other side until finally a soft whispering female voice speaks through it. Hello? Hello, listen. Whoever you are, he's lying to you. They're an ex-military group taking hostages, stealing food, and hunting survivors. They control the depots from here, but you don't know their lo- don't know their locations. Get out of there. To open the garage, you need a key from the panel Alpha Tango Kilo 797. Seven. Her, fo- her voice Bonk. breaks off, and you hear more shouting and fighting through the phone. The line goes dead. What do you do next? Enter the code into the control panel. Enter a shutdown code in the control panel. Head upstairs and make your way out of the depot. Wait for the command team to arrive. Enter the code. Enter the code in the control panel? Yeah. You stand under the control panel, lock of the various monitors, LCD screens, joysticks, and buttons. You press the keypad button. A play paddle lights up in the middle of the board and slides open, revealing a secret compartment. Rising from the area is a slender keypad with the tiny buttons. On a low LCD screen, a green icon blinks. You type, you type ATK797 to the keypad. On the I would have forgot that shit. On the LCD, mo- on the LCD monitor, a message prints: Code accepted. Garage door set to open. The line clears after a few seconds and returns the ready prompt. You press the keypad button, the keypad slides down, and the panel sticks back and slides back over the open compartment. You head back to the garage door found earlier, and sure enough, it is open now, revealing a sign hanger with several Jeeps, a camouflage truck, and two motorcycles. Mm. The garage is dark and damp and barely lit by a string of light bulbs, crisscrossing cr- cr- the metal ceiling and barely fits the five vehicles. Oil-starring stains mark the floor as the faint smell of sulfur hangs in the air. All the vehicles point away from the garage door toward an odd wall, which is split into two by a thick seam in the middle. As you enter the room, you head slowly along the left side of the truck, which is the size of a typical delivery truck, but has two sets of wheels on each side of the axles and a thick camouflage. Canvas pull over the frame. You check underneath the vehicles and you see no one. As you reach the front, you turn and walk back to the length of the truck next to an army green jeep. On top of the vehicle is a large machine gun fixed on a mount with a box of ammunition next to it. A similar <sighs> jeep is next in line. You follow the back of the vehicles and you reach two motorcycles, both the light green with a small, fire, small frame. But not like the much of both we or Harley, your neighbor, owned back when you and Emma were growing up. On the side of both of motorcycles, you see the word diesel written across the top of the frame. The handlebars are angled back with six long mirrors spreading out like peacock feathers. From <laughs> behind you, you, a sound catches your attention, a moaning, and that is where we will end.
1: Uh. Oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, I really fucked it, man. Wait, is not Javier still at a different like level? Yeah. Oh, he's done. Okay, but at the same time, like if he's a wild card, like good riddance, no? Maybe we don't know. Well, oh, fuck, that was that was that uh, bro. I'm not gonna lie, that that had me kind of fucking focused to my
0: I guess we'll have to come back in a few days and uh, try it again.
1: I'm, I'm just surprised we're still alive, bro.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, fuck, it's been, it's, it's been fucking it's it's been been shabby. Adventure. Yeah, it's been zesty. All right. Still kind of mad Mindy hasn't put out, but she'll, she'll, she'll get there. All <laughs> right, fuck. sir. Have a good one, brother. You should, sir. Piss on me.